This transmission is unrehearsed and unedited and is hereby begun without further comment as to its lack of moral value. It all started when I shared a take that people didn't like about Andor on Facebook. I said, people are like, Andor is great. There's no lightsabers or cameos from characters you love or recognizable visuals or connection to the overall saga or levity or compelling characters or reasons to watch the show at all. It's just like all those HBO dramas you don't watch. If you hate Star Wars, you'll love Andor. Maybe that's a bad take and maybe Facebook just showed the last sentence without the rest. But I stand by the fact that a lot of people who haven't liked anything that Disney has put out happen to be the same ones that latched onto Andor. Between then and now, I've been called many names, including stupid, pathetic, and a stunted man-child with the emotional intelligence of a two-year-old for disliking the show. Before you continue, I'm aware that making a YouTube think piece about a thing I didn't like doesn't totally work in favor of me being not pathetic. Honestly, nobody should care about my opinions, but I just need to shout into the void a little more. So uh, brace yourself for some uh, pedantic nitpicks. So I went into the first three episodes assuming I'd like the show. Sure, I was a little skeptical about the marketing being about what the show didn't have rather than what it had. But aside from the Aftermath trilogy, Resistance, and a few other comics and novels, I've enjoyed every piece of Star Wars content that Disney's put out up until Andor. So I should have liked Andor. I watched the first episode and was not sold. The whole show seemed bleak and gray. Andor's origins contradicted the idea established in Rogue One that he'd been fighting the Empire since he was six years old by establishing he was isolated on the planet Canari until he was at least 10 or 12. Uh, the corporate non-Empire uniforms didn't feel Star Warsy at all. The second episode didn't do much to change my mind. And while the third episode ended well, I came away feeling like the show fell into the same trap that a lot of Netflix or other streaming shows fall into disrespecting the viewer's time and telling 40 minutes worth of story in three episodes. Specifically, I was getting major Picard vibes. It also didn't help that I just hated all the characters besides Lucian and Cassian that were introduced in that arc. And there was almost no levity. There, there no jokes. Like the there were there were some moments of awkward tension that maybe would make you laugh, but there was not the type of comic relief that you would expect from a Star Wars show. The second arc was better. I liked the heist crew, even if they seemed a bit generic. Only the middle episode felt like it was trading water. Unfortunately, around this time, they decided to spend time with several characters that I just didn't end up liking. More on that later, but. This is an issue with shows like this. Heroes and Gotham come to mind as other shows with such a huge cast that inevitably the show ends up with characters I dislike, in this case, the serial guy, uh, taking away time from the A plot and characters that I find compelling. Episode seven was the episode where I decided to stop watching week to week. I went down an internet rabbit hole, breaking down the scene of Cassian's arrest and how it completely took me out of the show. Uh, when I say I went down a rabbit hole, it was more like I participated in a flame war, but we'll say rabbit hole. Um, 
what it boils down to is this. Up to this point in the show, we'd seen Cassian was resourceful, smart, and ruthless. Also, literally everywhere else in Star Wars, we've seen that stormtroopers are bumbling idiots. Yet because of plot convenience, Cassian starts acting incredibly suspicious around rebels that he randomly ended up close to and can't outsmart a single stormtrooper. Then we got a scene where the style of the show changes from a realistic, uh, grounded sci-fi show to some sort of experimental Kafka-esque film with the, with the court scene. Um, even the fact that he was sentenced to six years, meaning there was zero doubt he'd end up escaping, bothered me because this show takes place five years before Rogue One. Um, I don't know why these events were the straws that broke the camel's back for me, but, but, this is, but that's, that's where we were. So I had a decision to make. I didn't want to be the guy who watches the show every week and has the same complaints every time, but I also, I really wanted to like the show still. Um, plus, as is pretty clear, I don't have the self-control to not tell the internet how I feel about this stuff. My compromise was to wait until the rest of the show was available and watch the rest back to back. I figured if nothing else, this would help with the slow pacing, and if there was any merit to the idea that I was just missing something, I'd be watching it in an ideal way. I was about 80% there with the prison arc. Um, I'll go more into the B-plots when I break down characters in a minute, but if the prison story had been told as a Black Mirror episode or a Netflix miniseries, I probably would have uh, enjoyed it without much criticism. The fact that it could have totally been told outside of a Star Wars context does not really work in its favor, but willing to look past it. Then it ended up with the most hack pseudo attempt at a Twilight Zone ending. Uh, I can't swim. Andy Serkis's character, Kino Loy, has just done a number of things he thought he couldn't do. Scene after scene, he thinks he can't do it and Cassian convinces him otherwise. At this point, if he doesn't know, he'll figure it out. It, it's, it's like uh, the beginning of Revenge of the Sith when they're on the Separatist ship. Um, you know, given the circumstances, the ability to swim is irrelevant. So before I go into the finale, um, let's talk about some main characters. So we've got Cassian. He's definitely the strongest character in the show, as he should be. Um, but I felt like how capable and smart he was depended on what the plot needed him to do and how the plot needed him to behave and didn't really have a correlation to his growth as a character. Uh, first he's capable and ruthless in killing two police officers and they build on that with the heist arc, but then he's an idiot getting himself caught by the lone stormtrooper and gets even dumber when he first goes to prison, keeps saying over and over, I'm a tourist, I'm a tourist. Uh, I don't know. Um, Side note, uh, another issue I had with the prison arc was that the Empire didn't have a way of identifying Cassian once he was arrested. I'm willing to give that a pass. Again, I'm giving a lot of stuff a pass here uh, because it's the kind of thing you let go in Star Wars stuff. Uh, you know, just like in The Mandalorian where they scan the guy's face and it, that never comes back to, to bite them. Uh, once he gets smart again in the prison, he goes back to Ferrix, which is obviously where everyone wants to kill him. Uh, it's dumb. That's dumb. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I understand, I understand the, the, there are some plot, there were some plot reasons for it, but it just felt very, 
his character was not getting smarter over the course of the season. He was he was getting smart and then getting dumb and then getting smart and then get he was just yo-yoing back and forth. It wasn't a there wasn't a cohesive arc. Um, so Mon Mothma um, might be like the kind of galaxy brain biggest issue that I had with the show. Um, really bothers me that uh, the show is saying that the the founders of the rebellion were not heroes in the traditional sense. Up to this point, Mon Mothma has been characterized as reluctant to go to war, but there's been an assumption that she did something to earn her place as the leader of the rebellion. This show leans into her being a rich politician, disconnected from what's really going on. Plus, she's a bad mother. She's already got a strained relationship with her daughter before she makes a deal to arrange a loveless marriage just to avoid getting in trouble due to a change in banking regulations. Like, it's just choices in this show. Choices. Uh, and then we have Lucian, who seemed pretty cool at first. I liked him. I liked him at first. but I, And I understand that the show... Uh, wants to show the not-so-pretty side of the Rebellion. But, again, this is one of the founders. And when he and Saw Guerrera share a scene, Saw is the is the voice of reason. Literally every other time we've seen Saw, it was to show that the good guys don't resort to his tactics. Uh, between Lucian being willing to sacrifice 30 men, threaten his informant, and attempt to assassinate Cassian. This is not the hero I want for my rebellion. So now we go to the Imperial side, uh, Deidre Miro. I liked her at first when she was up and coming and the look and feel of a lot of the ISB stuff was, was really cool. Uh, but it was also a less is more situation. Uh, it was all kind of the same after a while and her plan to go all in on the idea that Cassian would be there for his mother's funeral seemed contrived. I, I wish there was a, there was more evidence that he'd be stupid enough to return. Maybe if he'd said something on the call where, where he found out his mother's about his mother's death and, and they were tapping it or, or, or something like that. Uh, just give us, give us a little more evidence. So then we've got Cyril Karn. His name literally sounds like Serial. The idea of an officer who goes above and beyond to find the killer of, of his own uh, you know, underling offers, officers or whatever they were, uh, even when he's ordered to let it go, seems cool. Uh, yet somehow this guy's the worst part of the show. Um, like, a lot of this stuff is, is, is my Star Wars-y takes, but, like, legitimately, Cyril Karn is is like that is that is bad writing um every time every time he came on camera i got annoyed i understand he's meant to be awkward and unlikable but the show has enough of that already um then turning him into a creepy stalker with a storyline that went nowhere bad a lot of the rest of the characters uh vel cinta bix thea and all the rest of the supporting cast from ferrex served as nothing more than exposition devices. And there was a lot of exposition in this show. Like people always are talking about show. Don't tell this show was about telling and then telling again and then telling again, and then do a close up on their face. Um, obviously Vel and Cinta are good for representation, but 
Also, their, the scenes with their romance were carefully structured so that they could be cut for countries that don't like gay people. So then we have Marva Andor, uh, Cassian's mother. Um, this is this is one area where it's possible that I just failed to put myself in the shoes, or it's also possible she was just a miss. Uh, I could tell that her performance was well acted, but as she cried after Cassian left Ferrix the first time, I felt nothing. Then when she said, you can't stay and I can't go, I felt nothing. Uh, her speech during the funeral was great, but I wasn't fully immersed in the show. So in the back of my head, I kept questioning the logistics of someone recording something so timely uh, when she was able to stand and speak this eloquently, but still knew that she was going to die in the next little bit. Uh, people who are about to die don't sound like that. So now we come to the finale. Uh, Everybody wants to kill Cassian for various reasons, and the Imperials are on the edge because they said 40 people could come to the funeral, but several hundred show up. The fact that Cassian just happens to get out of jail the day before his mother's funeral is the kind of coincidence that I'd look past in a show I was enjoying, but it really bothered me here. The Imperials and the Rebels are both counting on this guy who's been totally off the grid for months or more, to show up for the funeral, even though they have no evidence that he's been in contact with anyone on the planet. The funeral itself is uh, powerful, and the moments with the kid constructing the bomb really worked. He definitely had that same uh, you know, character moment. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the kid in The Last Jedi who uses the Force uh, to pick up a broom. So there you have it. I'm sure I have other issues with the show that I missed, but the show's issues were not related to the fact that I didn't want to have to think or that I don't like shows with good character development. Not to mention, there's not a single piece of Star Wars content that wasn't made by a creative person trying to make the best thing they could make. The idea that Andor is the only thing that we've seen post-acquisition with good writing or good characters is an insult to the writers on countless great projects.